And when COVID broke last year, people were calling it a health crisis. By August, I knew it was a fraud vaccine crisis. And now is the time to take on the fraud within CDC, NIH. They're going to do the cabal, as I call it, where they actually use human beings as guinea pigs for vaccinations. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I mean, it just seems, you know, you, you must be living day to day. I am living day to day. Yes, I yeah. am. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think just for background purposes, why don't you tell us, um, you know, your life before co before you got the vaccine shot? Now, you're not part of the clinical trials, right? Or were you? Are you? A no. No, I'm not part of the clinical trials. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, tell us about your life beforehand. Okay. Oh, so my, um, my life before the vaccine, um, I have been in the last uh, two and a half years have been in a graduate program, getting my um, degree in clinical mental health. And, um, and so I've been very involved in my studies I am a wife and a grandmother of three really rambunctious grandkids, little ones. Um, I mountain bike, I fly fish, I love to hike. We're very, um, a very athletic family and very active. Um, my, uh, in terms of the vaccine rollout, this is what my internship that I was getting through um, my my studies enabled me to be in Oregon's phase one rollout because my internship was at a um, at an, a group home for adjudicated females, and so I was reluctant to get the vaccine, but then felt that based on the information that I had, that it would be um, it would be helpful, you know, to be protected and to be able to protect the youth at this residential treatment program. And so that's what opened the door for me to get the vaccine. And I got the vaccine on January 14th and my life has not been the same since. Tell us about um, some of the ailments and how fast this happened, Cheryl. So within just a couple of days I had, you know, um, from here to my collarbone, really pronounced and painful lymph nodes, which I anticipated, you know, that there would be some, but other than that, my arm hurt and that was, that was the extent of it. And then on the morning of the 18th, I woke up in the middle of the night with my left side numb. My arm was numb, my leg was numb, and I just thought that I had slept weird. So I got up and then realized that my face was tingling, my hands were tingling, that my legs felt weak, you know? So of course I thought maybe I had Bell's palsy and I was, you know, at three in the morning looking at my smile in the mirror, thought maybe I was having a stroke. I was saying my ABCs frontwards, backwards. I mean, am I making sense what I'm saying? And I thought I was having a stroke then. So I went to the urgent care the next day and they did a bunch of tests and he said, you on paper, look healthy 
I'm concerned about some of the symptoms you're having because you, know, you can see my health report. I've never, I don't. Prior to my vaccine, I went to the doctor for annual checkups. I mean, I don't take medicine for, I didn't take medicine for anything. And I um, don't have any other um, health issues prior to my vaccine. So he, you know, asked me, you know, if he was nervous to send me home and just said, if your symptoms increase or change, you know, I need you to just go straight to the emergency room. So I went to bed that night, woke up the next morning and in the middle of the night again, and realized that more of my face felt tingly and numb. Um, my head hurt. Uh, it was more, the numbness and the tingling was more pronounced in both my left arm and was moving to my right leg. So I went to the emergency room. They did a brain MRI. They did an EKG, all the blood work. I mean, like I said, on paper, I looked completely normal. So, so did, so did, did the doctors not know what was going on? So my story is a little different in that, um, the emergency room doctor who treated me, the first one who treated me, said to me, I have no doubt this is the vaccine. Um, I can see your health history. And you're probably the fourth person that I have treated this week with similar symptoms, one of them being another physician who actually has Bell's palsy now. And um, he went off duty. And then the next physician who came on acknowledged my vaccine you know, that the vaccine suspected that that was the culprit and you can't, you know, couldn't say with 100%. Um, did they report it to theirs? I mean, did, so, did they take any of the steps they're supposed to? No. So I said to him, uh, my understanding is that you, you need to report this to theirs. And he said, no, you're mistaken. That's your job to report to theirs. And I said, no, I'm pretty sure that's your job to report to theirs. And so he said, no, that, that I was mistaken and that it was the patient's responsibility to report to theirs. To my knowledge, I don't know that I have a doctor and I've seen many that have reported to theirs. Although all of them acknowledge my the vaccine as the potential culprit. So what have you been diagnosed with, if anything? So initially I was, um, I was diagnosed by my neurologist with autoimmune neuropathy uh, with sort of like the thought of a suspected molecular mimicry. And that has since changed with more testing. And so most recently I had a skin biopsy to test for small fiber neuropathy and that my feet. And then I also had a tilt table test with like a sweat component. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's a sweat component and it, it um, sort of, it introduces an electrical current and then your body produces a sweat and they measure that. And so that failed on my feet as well. So those two things combined led to a diagnosis of small fiber neuropathy. And what do you have to do with that? I mean, what, how does this affect your life today in, ter in terms of, do you, can, do you know when you wake up in the morning if you're going to have a good day? Or is it, is it, does it come in waves? Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's, um, I mean, not the good kind of funny, but 
I, I, I realize in the certain ways that my life has changed. I mean, the very first thing when I wake up in the morning is I have this dread that sits in my stomach. It, I'm not really sure that it actually ever really goes away. I'm typically a very optimistic person and, um, I feel that I feel that re being greatly reduced in my life because of my symptoms. And so I wake up in the morning and I do a body check before I ever get out of bed. What hurts? What's numb? What's tingling? Are my lips burning? Oh, not so bad today. Oh, wait. Yes, they are. I mean, it's one of those things. And then, you know, when I get up, then the minute my feet hit the ground, I can feel whether I'm going to have a good day with my legs or a not good day with my legs. They're very wobbly. I can walk, but I get, I, my, I have extreme muscle weakness. Um, I can't ride my, I haven't ridden my mountain bike all summer long. I tried to f fly fish one day and I was paralyzed stepping into the river with fear because I didn't trust that my legs would be able to keep me up in the river. And so I have not been in the river. I can't run after my grandkids. Um, I can walk probably about half a mile, but I can only go out at night when it's cool because the heat for whatever reason just makes all of my symptoms exaggerated. And so, I mean, I was telling my husband the other day, I mean, I feel like I've been a prisoner, prisoner all summer in my home. I feel like a, a mole. I go out at night when the sun sets. So do you have any vision problems, sleeping problems? Um, do you have you sensitivity to, to, to light or sound? I do have extremely dry eyes um, and and they get blurry. And so those are my vision. Those are probably pretty much the vision issues that I have. Um, that is intermittent. It kind of comes and goes. Okay. What about, what about, uh, taste, smell? That's normal. My taste and smell. I've not had COVID to my knowledge. I've not, I've not had COVID. Did anybody test you for COVID when you were in the hospital? Uh, I don't know if that was one of the tests. I don't think they tested me for COVID. Mm -mm. Did they, did they give you a D dimer test? I have had a D timer, D D dimer. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did that, did that come back? Okay. That was normal. Mm -hmm. That was normal. Okay. To my knowledge to date, and I've had a bunch of blood tests most recently um, to recheck for inflammation, but my initially in all the blood tests, my vitamin D was really low. And then um, I don't know if it's diet related because I've had to go on an anti-inflammatory diet. And so I eat a lot of chicken and sweet potatoes <laughs> and um, my diets become very small. I mean, very limited to really what I can eat because those sugar, um, gluten, certain things will make things um, more exaggerated. And so, so you're basically on an arthritic diet. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, how about headaches, pounding, you know? I did get those initially. I, I don't get headaches anymore. You asked about sleep. I wasn't able to sleep. Um, and then I started taking gabapentin at night and that helps me sleep. What about waking up in the middle of the night? 
Um, if I take, if I take a med, most of the times I do not wake up in the middle of the night unless my symptoms, um, can't be controlled by the gabapentin. And then there are occasions that I'm awake. Um, most recently, a couple of weeks ago, um, I woke up about two in the morning with symptoms that I hadn't had before. I mean, my leg felt like it was on fire. I mean, the nerve pain was just intense. I was really scared. Um, and so I have made friends now around the country. And so I was able to reach out to some people, you know, even in the middle of the night in different time zones, somebody's always awake. Right. And, and, and other people having the same thing. Yeah. You know, and everything seems worse at night when you wake up in the middle of the night, things seem scarier. So are you, are you, are you finding among your group that, you know, if you don't know what's going on, somebody else has had the same and somebody else, same symptoms and, and possibly they have been diagnosed where your doctors have not been able to diagnose. Something? Yeah. It was the case before the, before my diagnosis of the small fiber neuropathy. Um, and then, you know, and then now leading into that, there are some people that have um, achieved some sort of reduction in symptoms using IVIG. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, and so my neurologist has ordered that I'm waiting to find out if my insurance will cover it because it's incredibly expensive. How much does it cost? Well, my doctor told me about $5,000, a little more than $5,000 um, per dosage. And what is that supposed to do to your body once you get that? Okay. My understanding is that um, it, uh, it boosts your immune system. You know, I'm, I don't understand yet. And I'm, it's funny that you should ask that. I, I don't understand yet about how that would help small fiber neuropathies. I understand that they use it for MS, um, some cancer patients. Do you know what's in the IVIGs? My understanding is it's plasma that has been taken from a large group of people and they spin it down to get this cell. <laughs> I'm not a medical person. And then that's what is then infused into you. Immunoglobin, globin. Okay. So it's supposed it's supposed to make you feel better, but they but how do you know it's the right, it's the right, I guess the right remedy yeah. for what you have? I don't. It's a shot in the dark. I had, there was one neurologist that I saw early on and he said to me, um, you know, look, we are in medicine. We are taught in Western medicine that there, you know, are medications and, and we are taught about vaccines and you would be hard pressed to find a physician who would speak ill of vaccines. Even though we see the reactions, we don't quite understand sometimes what happens to people's bodies in terms of adverse reactions. And yet that's what we know. And so I don't dis, you know, I don't disprove what's going or disagree with what's going on with you. I just think that you're stepping into a really unpopular culture. And so with that said, you need to know that every doctor you come in contact with is basically flying blind because we don't know and we don't know what to do. And so I, I take that and I apply that to IVIG. I mean, I just don't know. And I wish somebody would 
research it, that would be amazing. Has anybody suggested to you that maybe you should be entering a, a research study because of your reactions? No, but you know, early on when some of us started finding each other, um, we sent uh, some of these people were medical, you know, healthcare workers and workers and nurses. And so sort of our thought was, we don't know anybody else that's having these reactions. It's a miracle that we even found each other. Um, clearly the FDA and the CDC do not know about these reactions. They will want to study this. So we reached out to the FDA, we reached out to the CDC thinking naively that they would want to research us and to research our reactions so that it wouldn't happen to more people. And that has not been the case. Um, I do believe that the NIH is doing some research, but it's not public and it's not publicized. Um, Why? And Why? I don't know, maybe it's the early stages. I just, I really don't, I really don't know. But what's concerning to me is now we're talking about giving this vaccine to younger and younger children, you know, who I barely have the language to describe what I feel in my body. I mean, vibrations and tremors and essential tremors. I mean, I have all of that. I'm not sure that my three-year-old granddaughter would have the same language to be able to describe something odd happening to her body. Which vaccine did you get? I had the Moderna. Did you I, get the second? You get and you got the second one or no? I did not. No, my all my doctors told me, and the emergency room doctors told me not to get the second dose. Have you talked to Moderna? I have not talked to Moderna. I have talked to the CDC, the, um, the V checker. I had a, are you familiar with that? The no, I, what is that? So in Oregon, I don't know if it's, if it's, you know, across, across the, the States, but in Oregon we had, it's called a V checker and you, it's a, a weekly at, at the beginning. It's a daily thing. I think that comes through on your phone. You can sign up for it to, to share your symptoms. And and I shared all of my symptoms and never heard back from anybody, which I was so surprised because my my reaction was so severe. And, you know, at the beginning, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I don't know how many times I would say to my husband, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. There's something wrong with me and nobody knows what to do to help me. And so I would write that in the in the comment section for my mm -hmm. symptoms, begging somebody to contact me. And so it wasn't until almost five months later that I heard back from somebody from the CDC calling saying, you know, I've seen what you've written on your, can we go through your symptoms? Have they gotten worse? And I said, yeah, they have, I'm much worse than I was when I initially was filling out these reports. And so she very kindly got back into my report and redid it for me because it's very complicated. It makes me laugh when people say that people would report something on bears and lie about it because it's incredibly time consuming. It's very difficult. And if you don't know how to maneuver it, it bumps you off. And you- I've heard that, I've heard that, I've heard that. I did find out a little trick from this lady. If she said, they don't tell you before it times out, you have to click forward to the page in front and then click 
back to the page you were on and it resets the timer. I mean, who, nobody, nobody, yeah, that's what she No, told no, me. nobody, nobody tells you that when you, when you get into it. No. Yeah. So anyway, she, she was astounded when I told her about my, my new symptoms and she marked, said, I'm, I'm marking the box permanently, permanently damaged or permanently disabled. And that was sort of a jaw dropper for me because at the time I thought that's premature. I mean, I still have a lot of hope, but I don't anymore that I'm. Let's I, talk about that. Let's talk about why your hope is going downstream. Is it because of the system? You're not being acknowledged. There's no help out there. Nobody knows what to call this. Or is it because you're, you're, you're because your body is. Yeah. Like I have yeah. all my new normal. I mean, my hands shake. I have an essential tremor. I have vibrations inside. My legs are weak. Um, my face tingles 24-7. My lips burn 24-7. I have nerve pain in my arms. I mean, I just go on and on and on. And I have autonomic um, symptoms as well. You know, I have um, intestinal issues that it's just everything seems heightened. And I can't go outside in the heat. Um, and so because I'm, I'm what's almost seven and a half months now, I think, um, I feel like my body has reached this plateau and there are some days where things are worse. Um, stress makes everything worse. And, um, I just don't see much hope that anything is going to change. I don't. I what's, just the, what's the most important notion or, or i guess from your from from this experience what is it that you want the public to know well i mean first of all i think the public needs to know that these reactions are real and while i believe that they're rare i do believe that they're occurring and I mean, I've heard from when people heard when I finally came, you know, started telling people about my vaccine reactions, because initially I didn't because I wanted people to get vaccinated. And I was afraid that if I told people what my, you know, that I was suffering from neurological, I mean, you talk, start talking about people's brains and the potential for, you know, neurodegenerative disease. I mean, that kind of gets people's attention. And I it's was good. It should. But so, so, so I have to ask the question, why would you with, why were you even thinking about withholding that? Well, initially, because when I say initially, I'm talking like maybe the first couple of months I thought, okay, then I started, is this really the vaccine? Was this something else? Okay. But, and then the more research I did and dug and then more conversations with people and then, I mean, my studies suffered because I was spending my own studying time to basically research and try to educate myself on vaccines and vaccine reactions and um, spike protein. And so that, that was when I became vocal and I would tell people, tell people about my reaction because there is no true informed consent on these vaccines. Because had I known that the potential for neurological reactions, you know, I would not, I mean, especially given my career path, I mean, I understand 
cognition disorders and I understand neurodegenerative disease. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I just turned 59. I would like to keep my brain. So do you, do you think that you, knowing what you know now, seven and a half months later, do you think that you got informed consent? No. And I don't believe informed consent exists even today. No. No. People are shocked when they find out that I'm suffering neurologically from the vaccine. They're like, what? I didn't even know that was a potential. I thought it was like a fever. Your body could hurt. You could have flu-like symptoms for a couple of days, and then you're back to normal. But so what's your reaction when you know that they're targeting children? I'm, I'm horrified. Horrified. I'm... Like I said, I mean, I've become very vocal. Anybody that will listen, um, I feel like here's here's where here's where my here's where my um, where my thoughts have sort of switched. Initially, you know, I was trying to get answers so that I could get help. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, that's not going to happen. Like, I think, I think if there were any chance of a reduction of my symptoms or being able to help me, that that would have been an early, inter some sort of an early intervention, whether it was IVIG, I just don't know yet. Um, so I don't have a lot of hope, you know, that, um, that I'm going to vastly improve even with IVIG. Um, I would love to be proven wrong. And so I personally have just been going through a grieving process of what my life was before and what I think my life is going to be moving forward. Um, it's pretty sobering. And there are some days that I do better than others, you know, in my, in my ability to be able to process through that. So um, if you, if you had, if you had the opportunity to say something to uh, Joe Biden, what would it be? Because he's calling the shots right now. It's his administration that's calling the shots. Well, part of what I would say um, is, Joe, you have not done your due diligence and your administration through the FDA and the CDC have not done their due diligence to vet out and research the reactions that are happening in adults. There are no longer long-term research studies because trial participants were unblinded and offered the vaccine. Before you can give this vaccine to children, you need to research what is occurring in adults who have the, the ability to vocalize and talk about what they're experiencing in their bodies because children don't have the words for these things. Um, that's what I would say. What would you say to Fauci? Fauci. <laughs> well, you can say it. <laughs> you can say it. You know, more than Fauci, I mean, I honest to goodness just think he's a puppet. Um, I would actually love to have a conversation with Janet Woodcock and with Rochelle Walensky and with Peter Marks from the FDA, because I think that more than Fauci, they hold more power in what's about to come around the corner. And my- Tell us why. 
Well, I mean, Peter Marks, my understanding is that Peter Marks is the one who is reviewing and is going to make the final decision for the FDA, he and Janet, on um, on approving these vaccines, which once they're approved, I mean, there will just be a flood of, I mean, we could go down a political, you know, with the whole mandating vaccines, um, which seems like a completely different conversation, but I just don't understand how you can mandate or how you can approve a vaccine that has only been in use for such a short period of time when you have trial participants um, who have been injured, whom you've not done your due diligence to do the research on. I'm, it's just astounding to me that we are pushing a drug that has no long-term research on it. And now we're going to give it to pregnant women and to children. And it's, it seems sinister to me. You don't understand what is driving this. It seems like they're all in bed together with Moderna, Pfizer, all the big drug, comp drug companies. So in, in, in closing, let's talk about the mandatory. Yeah. Do you, do you believe that mandatory vaccines under these type of situations is medical freedom? No, no, no. I would say, I would actually use the word medical apartheid. I mean, you are, it's tyranny. I mean, you are pushing a medication and limiting people's freedoms to be able to live their lives as free people when you're being fired from a job. When you, I mean, I as it is now, I cannot go volunteer in my grandkids' school. My husband is going to have to quit his coaching job because he's not he's not vaccinated. Um, I have a daughter. I have a daughter who's not vaccinated, who can't be vaccinated because of prior vaccine injuries. I mean, her world is about to become very small as well. It's just, it, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that this is because of, because of a drug that is still supposed to be under FDA review and it's all been fast tracked. I'm I don't know, Christine, it just is, like I said, it seems sinister to me and driven by money. Yeah. And power. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Cheryl. We'll, and we'll get back to you. Okay. We're, I'm, we're, I, I'm committed to, to follow up as this thing goes along, because I think, I think this is, uh, we don't know the, what the end game is. Yeah. It's crazy. Don't you agree? It just seems crazy. Yes. Yes. Huh. I do. I think it's, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's out of control and and I don't think anybody's got a handle on this except for it it's 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 happening so fast. So fast. Yeah. Yeah.